Welcome to The Long Take Review, a film podcast with one eye always on the Oscar race. I'm your host, Jensup Chakshai Banker, and I'm here with two friends. First up, he can turn cardboard into gold. It's P.T. McNiff. How's it going, P.T.? Wanting to learn about stagecraft is an act of nobility, even if it's just because dance was full. Uh, I'm doing well, Jen. How are you? I'm doing great. That's good. I forgot about that one. And I want to congratulate him on being the most talented kid at camp. It's Antonio Elefano. How are you, Antonio? I'm not mad. I'm just furious. <laughs> I'm really, I'm, I'm great, actually. <laughs> no, no. You could be furious in like a, like a fierce, positive way. Yes. Um, for sure. Uh, all right. So we are here to discuss the movie that Barbenheimer forgot, basically. So uh, the musical comedy, it's also a mockumentary called Theater Camp. It just had the unfortunate circumstance of having a wide release the same weekend as Barbenheimer. Uh, so no one, I, I think, I think, is that correct? Like, I think it came well, out. It had a limited release, I think the week before, and then it, like, it, it opened a little bit further. I think technically the wide release is like. Was the weekend before? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, I think like the, it's opening wide over the next few weeks. I think it's like slowly. Oh, it's up. doing just like a slow rollout. Okay. But yeah. either way, no one is talking about, no one's talking about this movie. It's going to get completely drowned out by Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um, and I, you know, I think I'm curious to hear what you two think now that you've seen it. I think it's deserving of its own spotlight and people should be seeing this movie. It's great. Um, but it, you know, unfortunately it's just not getting, going to get the intention that some of the other summer movies have. So if you're listening to us for, for the first time and you have no idea what this movie is, no idea what I'm talking about, or you kind of know, you've kind of seen an ad for it or something, but you haven't seen it. We really encourage you to stick around through the spoiler free section. So it's probably going to be the next like 30 to 40 minutes or so and see if you want to check this one out. Uh, and we will clearly announce when we're about to switch into spoiler mode and discuss the film in more detail but i think we might even end up having our spoiler free section be slightly longer than normal because this is a movie that i'm assuming not a lot of people have seen but first we'd like to do a quick movie news check-in Thank you to PT for our fancy new bumper music. <laughs> that was great. Uh, listeners, you couldn't see, but we were all, we were all jamming, jamming to we the, had to, we had a groove. Movie. Yeah. So what's happening in the movie world or just in your movie worlds this week? I mean, the big news continues to be the, the strike, uh, the strikes that are happening. Uh, there doesn't seem to have, have been uh, a lot of movement in that regard. Uh, I did drive by my first uh, picket line uh, while going to my, my second screening of Oppenheimer, uh, going to see it on IMAX 70 millimeter, um, end up driving past a small like studio space uh, that I think is co-owned by Netflix. At least there's a Netflix like sign on the side. And there were you know, a healthy number of people picketing out front, which was great to see. And just hope that that uh, there's some there's some movement from the the moneyed interests of the of the producers to uh, come to their senses and come to the table and make some uh, uh, make some concessions. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing I keep hearing is that the narrative is, or the the buzz is that word on the street is that the studio's main strategy right now is just to wait it out. 
which is not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a student at um, Georgetown Law who called me a couple weeks ago um, because she was considering um, n- not going to her, like taking a break from her second year of law school because the WGA um, had contacted her about working on the negotiations um, over the course of the fall semester. <laughs> and I was, of course, my first concern was about like the student and listening to like, you know, but my second concern was like, it's going to last through the fall. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're like, I, you're like, wait a second, hold on, go, go back to what you just said. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing I heard, cause I was just listening to next best picture podcast this morning. And one of their their podcasters is is a member of the WGA and they asked him what when when would everything need to be resolved to not just like totally mess up the slate and and cuz we've already seen this is the other news i put in here we've already seen a lot of like more and more delays in terms of release dates and and push projects getting pushed to next year all that sort of stuff and so they were asking him like well what when would this need this need to an agreement need to have been reached for 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 basically everything to be stable in the fall and he said labor day which is not that far away not so and it would be appropriate as well yeah thematically yes um but that's really cool that you might have you might know someone who's directly involved in yeah you know and and you know i i talked to her i i was like well what happens if it does get resolved before and she was kind of hoping that it wasn't so so for the lawyers <laughs> for the lawyers mm, we need to, billable hours I, <laughs> well, I, I don't think that she's gonna be making a ton of money off of this she's just she's genuinely interested in helping the w so she's doing she's on the right side of this so i i'm 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 very happy for her um but I, I am a bit conflicted because I would I, I I would like these projects and I like I'd like the I'd like this to get resolved in a favorable way, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. But it, it does it does seem like the 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 talk from you know it's, it's all I don't I don't know anyone like this. I'm not in the uh, in the in the in the know the way Antonio is. But from the people I know who are like you know just lowly members of one of the guilds uh, or uh, you know chatter I've seen online, it's like the the message coming internally is just sort of like this could yeah this could go till the end of the year, and and the question is how far into 2024 will it you will it continue? Yeah. Because the studios are just like we are we are just gonna hold firm. And see, and the m- most recent thing I saw on uh, on Deadline when I was checking the the box office for this past week, um, they the Deadline's very sort of pro, like seems in line with the studios, like they're very sort of defending the studios uh, is in in their articles. Um, but the the last news story I saw there was about how theater owners, I forget what that group is, the American theater owner chain um, that owns cinema. Well, I don't. I don't. I think there's a separate group that is for like AMC, Regal, uh, etc. Like the the, the 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 cinema group, the CinemaCon uh, people. Yeah, that they are like we're out of money. Like we 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 had just gotten like cash flow back after COVID, um, and we barely survived that. And so, like, I think the new threat from the producers is going to be basically movie theaters will shut down. Um, like that's that's going to be gone. So you know, actors and writers, if you if you want any money from residuals for theatrical 
uh, presentations, which is where a lot of money comes from uh, for everyone involved, I guess, because uh, they because the producers don't want to pay for streaming uh, streaming stuff. Then uh, you know there it, it's well, there's going to be no movie theaters anywhere except for like five major cities. So you know, again, I don't think that's true, but that's that seems like that's going to be the next uh, uh, level of threat. Is you know we're going to shut down movie theaters permanently. Mm-hmm. A counterpoint to that, though, is that Greg just texted us this morning that there was some news that was actually hard for me to find <laughs> that that uh, A24 has gotten a bunch of the waivers to continue production mm. um, and, or they or that they, they seem like they've kind of they're playing ball a little bit more than the other big companies. And so that 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 one article I saw was saying will this put pressure on the bigger studios? Like if it's something like a 24, which in the context of Oscars does super well. And it's kind of like a powerhouse yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're like a, li- a little, a little <laughs> distributor um, relative to some of the other big heavy hitters that, that if they are allowed to continue and they're doing business, that that will then put pressure on the bigger studios to be like, Oh, well we can't get left behind. Like we, like it was sort of like from a competitive kind of standpoint that that would want them to get back into the game um because it's not like all of the companies are halting their production so so that'll be interesting to see if that actually plays out um mm-hmm. but yeah i think the biggest blow that i saw was in terms of a delay was uh the um beyond the spider-verse is delayed indefinitely the word indefinitely yes well like, yeah what what happened was uh, the the next Ghostbusters movie, which I'm sure everybody is can't wait uh, for here on the podcast, uh, it was supposed to come out in December, but they haven't finished with the actors. So I don't know if it's they haven't finished filming or they haven't. Uh, uh, I guess it's, uh, the article said that they need actors for post production work, so ADR and and maybe some reshoots. Um, that's supposed to come out in December. That got moved to the Beyond the Spider Verse date. And then Beyond the Spider-Verse is like, that has to get kicked to a future date, but they haven't finished recording the voice performances for it. So that's sort of up in the air until, I'm sure it will still come out, but. Right, right. But it's just, I think it's uh, particularly newsworthy because a lot of people were like, oh, it's fine that there's a part two to the story because it's coming out soon and now it's not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and Dead Reckoning Part Two is is you know not filming was supposed to continue. I think they filmed some of it, but there there's more filming they have to do, and that was supposed to start up once the promotion ended. But now it's it's also in limbo. And a few uh, Oscar uh, conversation potential Oscar conversation movies uh, also got moved. Poor Things, the next Yorgos Lanthimos movie, moved from September to December, which is not like out of the race for this year. But uh, the, it seemed like that was moved partly in the hope that they could get Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo to promote it in December. Um, they're they're crossing their fingers uh, on that one. Uh, Drive Away Dolls, the movie from uh, Ethan Cohen, half of the Cohen brothers, uh, his solo directorial debut is coming out in February now instead of September. Uh, and uh, I think we mentioned this last time, but Challengers, the, the Zendaya movie that uh, was, you know, seemed imminent it was supposed to come out in september uh after a premiere at the venice film festival moved to april and they pulled out of the venice uh the venice festival and they were like that's okay we're gonna give a lifetime award to woody allen so that's fine um we'll we'll do that instead and it's like okay i don't i don't know about that great (laughs) um all right 
uh, the, the, I'll cap off our movie news segment by just saying that we do actually have a colleague who's in the WGA, Ben Pack. Hi, Ben, if you're listening to this. Uh, we should have him on the show uh, we should. to talk, talk about his experience as a member and on the street yeah. with someone who's close. Or maybe uh, we can ha- we can have your student who's once once <laughs> she's knee deep in legal proceedings and can't talk about anything. That would be great <laughs> after the show. <laughs> if we can uh, get her before she signs the NDA, uh, and she can talk about what she knows right. before that's illegal. I'll talk. I'll talk to her. Okay. Uh, two other quick movie news things. Uh, the the uh, Barbenheimer continues to rule the world. Uh, you know the we don't know if theaters will be able to stay afloat. Uh, narrative is not going to fly for at least a little while um, because yeah, Barbie is after this weekend over 350 million domestic, just under 775 million worldwide after what, like nine days, uh, which is, is wild. Um, and uh, Oppenheimer is just under 175 uh, in America and uh, at 400 million around the world, which is, which is wild. Critics seem to be more surprised about that. Barbie, I think people were like, yeah, it's Barbie. So people, like, it was going to be a huge box office hit. But but Oppenheimer's numbers seem to be a pleasant surprise to a lot of people. Yeah, and this idea that like, oh, well, people were doing it for the bit. They were doing it for the meme of you know, seeing both of the movies. Uh, you know, Maybe that was true. But then the word of mouth must be good of like, mm. actually, you should go see the three-hour biopic of the the dude from world war ii uh because people are still going to see it and not just not just because of the hard to get tickets on the big imax screens but you know just across the board all right i think we're ready to talk about theater camp uh we don't usually kick off our movie reviews with a a general synopsis necessarily because we usually cover movies that that are kind of in the public discourse already but since it's a smaller film does anyone want to try just describing antonio maybe maybe you'd be good for to do this just what's the premise of this movie if you're telling someone who has no idea what it is yeah so um it's this um it's this theater camp for um i guess like grade school age kids um and um the founder of the camp um there's um finds herself, I don't know, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but finds herself unable to run the camp in the way that she usually has. And it's a, it's a camp that's run for several years. And um, the, the founder of the camp, you know, goes across the country to find talent and recruit people to come to this camp. Um, and so her, her son, um, who, who has no real ties to theater um, and has never really understood that world, uh, suddenly finds himself in the position where he has to run the camp. Um, and so watching him, so, so basically the movie is sort of like, you know, you have um, a sort of skeleton crew of teachers to sort of cut costs. He's, he's, he's gotten rid of a lot of the staff, but a lot of the sort of core teachers remain. Um, and a lot of the core talent, you, you get the sense that a lot of like these kids, some of them might, might have come before or at least heard of the, the camp before. Um, so they're, they're, they're still very invested in the camp, but it's being run by someone who is um, fairly inept. <laughs> um, and um, and the, the, the premise of the mockumentary was it was supposed to sort of follow this founder um, uh, through, you know, through the, through the summer camp. Um, but, um, but when when you know she finds herself unable to 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 do it they they decide to just carry on anyway um so i don't know does, does that does that yeah yeah no it's perfect and it does have and this is not a spoiler i think because it was in the trailer but like the it, it is a 
we have to put on a show to save oh, yeah. a thing we love yeah. kind mm-hmm. of movie, yeah. right? Like, so if you've seen other movies like that, where it's like, we gotta, we gotta, the only way we can save this, it's very, mu- um, Prime uh, Muppets, yeah. Muppets, yeah. <laughs> um, was it Muppets Take Manhattan where they do that, right? Well, I think the Muppets Take Manhattan and the Muppets, and the Muppet the Jason movie. Siegel or, Oh, the, oh, that's right. It's right. So basically every Muppet movie, uh, <laughs> uh, but the like, you know, we're under we're under threat. We're gonna get sold or bought out, and like we have to put on one last big show yeah. to save the day. That's very much kind of the plot plot of the, and the premise of this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it just yeah, it's uh, and it's yeah, it's filmed in the mockumentary style. I've heard comparisons to Christopher Guest. Yeah. Um, so waiting for Guffman, I think, is the closest comp. Yeah. Uh, so if you, you you've seen that movie, it's the tone is pretty similar. Yeah. Um, but it also has a lot of uh, big names. Ben Platt, right? Who's a pretty big staple in musical theater movies tv now and then uh molly gordon who people would would if you've seen the bear yeah so we keep coming back to the bear i guess we're gonna <laughs> do an episode about the bear. bear um and actually no and and uh sydney from the bear so yeah. it's molly gordon who's claire bear on the bear and <laughs> is is one of the the female lead basically and then um i can never i don't i've never actually had to pronounce her name it's it's ayu and abiri Okay, who's just like in everything now? She's, uh, yeah. she's she's lighting it up. So yeah, so she's Sydney and the Bear, and so she has a um, a supporting role in this film as well. Yeah. So I'm eager to hear your short takes because we actually haven't talked. I haven't talked off mic uh, about this movie with you at all, and you just saw, both of you just saw it in the theater over the weekend. But first, I want some context. What is your relationship? Do you identify? Have you ever identified to to the content of this movie? Have you ever identified as a theater kid, or gone to a theater camp, or done theater when you're in school or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I I did do theater. I don't know if I would have called myself a theater kid, uh, but other people in like my middle school and high school, I guess, probably would have. Um, I I think that they're you know the the, the kids in this movie are the ones who are like super like hyper dedicated to it uh and and it's you know it 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 internally forms the core of their identity and i think that there is a difference between whether that's your internal definition of yourself versus sort of like just where you are in like a school hierarchy um but yeah i was i was uh in in theater did theater um and i did do and something i hadn't thought of for a long time but um and tony and i actually saw this together uh on uh on friday and it was like only after i was like i guess i did do like in western massachusetts in the tanglewood area like a one week camp uh when uh i don't know like maybe middle school like early middle school um and uh, i don't recall what we did i don't like it wasn't it didn't really stand out the only uh, it wasn't middle school it must have been like even elementary school because it was uh the only thing i really remember is we went to go see the local like shakespeare in the park production and uh clearly cast before his movie came out, but then performing it after it came out, uh, the summer of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Keanu Reeves was like the eighth listed uh, oh. person in the cast. And like all the kids were like, it's Ted from Bill and Ted. And all and everyone else there was like over the age of like 60 and they had no idea who he was. And they were just like, yes, the Tempest, good. Uh, and we're just watching the Tempest and all the kids were just like, when is Ted coming out? <laughs> Uh, so that's my main memory of theater camp is watching someone else perform, which I feel that's like great. says says something. I love it. 
I, How are you, Antonio? I yeah, I told PT this story when we when we were together. But um, when I was in in fifth grade, I was the narrator in a play called "A Rhyme in Time Saves Nine. <laughs> and all was going well until the third scene when I accidentally said the lines that were supposed to precede the following scene. And I remember people in the wing sort of freaking out. And um and I re- so I and I realized my mistake while I was giving the lines. So then I said the right lines immediately afterwards. And then I went off like and 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 um and I remember looking at like the cast like on the stage and they were all looking at me like you just screwed up. <laughs> and I was like I know. And then uh, and my teacher went to go like soothe me and make me feel better. I felt so terrible that I ne- it was the last time I ever performed. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. But in college um, I took a lot, I, I didn't want to be in front on stage anymore, but I took a lot of playwriting classes and I even like directed a couple of my own plays. So I really, I love the theater. I love going to the theater. I love watching plays and musicals. I love writing them. Uh, last night, as, as we, we talked about earlier, I went to like a Sondheim tribute at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, to me, like there's no more searing or impactful art form than theater. Like you two know how much I love like Kate Blanchett and Kate Blanchett and Tar. I couldn't stop talking about her last season, but my favorite Kate Blanchett performance was actually at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, um, where she performed a streetcar named Desire. And I remember Ooh. she was she was late. She was like three hours late because of like car trouble. And all of us just waited. Um, <sighs> like we wait, like a matinee performance became an evening performance. And it was incredible. It was so amazing. She apologized after the performance and we we're like, that's okay. <laughs> You're that's fine. I was forgiven. I don't care. It's good. So, yeah. Oh, how about you, amazing. Jen? Yeah, how about um, so I, I I'm similar to PT where like I don't know if I would have too introducing myself to other people called myself a theater kid, but looking back, I did like like other people could have easily categorized me in that way. Um, I did in high school. I was a part of uh, multiple every like every year we put on a, a musical, uh, Godspell. If you're familiar with that show, oh, yeah. Weird, it's a really weird show, but a fun one. Uh, uh, that was the main one, I think that was the the first one that I did, and that was a really formative experience because I think, and thinking about this film, I the the feeling of being a part of like a little nerdy community that oftentimes, if you're part of a show, happens really resonated with me for a reason. And like the other thing, the other joy about this, this movie, I think, is watching the the teachers interact with the students and how they like take it on the one hand, take it really too, too like way too seriously. Yeah. And it's really funny. Um, and they're really intense and expect a lot, but at the same time, they're very supportive and like good cheerleaders. Right. Uh, and, and so I definitely had the experience. Like I remember the choreographer that kind of came in, she wasn't a teacher at our school, but she just like sort of like dropped in when we had rehearsals and stuff like that. She was so tough. <laughs> She was just like, like she basically treated us like we were all professional dancers and none of us were. Um, And so it was, yeah, it was, that was really intense. And then um, shout out to our drama teacher, uh, Ricky Lombardo. Um, She was amazing. And she, she would have fit right in at this theater camp, I think. Um, Cause she was like, again, like was like, we are all serious actors here. Uh, But at the same time, she was so supportive. Like I took a, um, it was, I think it had a weird name. It was like multi-arts, like a multi-arts class. And we had like a, a puppet show unit. And my friends and I, we were like, can we do Les Poissons from the Little Mermaid, but with this, with, and make a Swedish chef puppet? 
And she was like, I love this idea. Go for it. Like, she just was like completely <laughs> supportive of this idea. And that memory really sticks with me. I think at my parents' house, we still probably have that puppet somewhere. Um, it was really fun. So, yeah. So, I have very Was the person memories. in the class you, Jen? Like, was that your idea? Are you just like. Yes. I mean, like, my friends went along with it. But I was the one who made the Swedish, <laughs> Swedish puppet. <laughs> like, um, but I, I don't want to take all, to, sole credit for it. Like, no, every my friends, my group of like three or four friends in high school signed off okay. on it, and they were excited about it. But yeah, I, I believe the Muppet component was definitely my idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so I have very fond fond memories of of experiences that really, when I was watching this movie, resonated with me a lot. So now that we we've, we've kind of all sort of revealed our relationships to theater and theater camp also i should say that like i my family's really way into broadway musicals we didn't go to a lot but like cds of different soundtracks were just like constantly floating around my house so it's like yeah so a lot of the references in this to other musicals and stuff really i i, I really appreciate it anyway to, to add well if we're adding to the to the background like that i will say my my uh my dad was a political reporter uh for uh he he was the, he was the the one of the state house reporters in, who worked in boston for a paper in the middle of the state in worcester massachusetts um but because he was in boston they were like well do you want to also review like the plays that come through because that means we don't have to like send someone from Worcester to go and do it. Uh, and so he sort of had like first pick. So um, I actually, uh, and we, we, we can get into the contentiousness of this. I don't particularly like musicals like that. That doesn't like speak to me as an art form uh, usually, uh, but um, it's not for lack of trying. Cause I went to like the Boston production of like most major musicals nice. uh, from the age of like six or seven until I was like 15. Maybe so, you were like, overexposed. I mean, maybe I, you know, that, that, that could be it. It's all, you know, it's also like when the other touring production is just not that good. And that's the problem um, that I've only seen, uh, only seen it. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely like, you know, uh, I, I think that does help. I don't know where, where Antonio is, but I think having uh, families where it's just sort of like, yeah, like this is a thing. Like we do have like soundtracks. Um, we'll watch like the PBS broadcasts of yes, recordings yeah. of shows. Um, and then, you know, would go to to see them from time to time if the Worcester Telegram and Gazette was uh, footing the bill uh, to uh, to go and see them. So, uh, so yeah, I think having that exposure um, you know, it, it helps in terms of getting you getting you interested in, and uh, as maybe we'll discuss, like you know, having more of a connection to a movie like mm -hmm. this. Sure. So, what are your general impressions of the film? What are your short takes? So I um, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, we I, I think that it's right that that um, the Christopher Guest comparison is is fair. Um, I don't know that I'd put it in the top tier Christopher Guest range, which for me is like Waiting for Guffman and, and Best in Show. Um, but it was a, just a perfectly pleasurable night at the movies. And at 90 minutes, it was like delightfully brisk too, right? Um, you know, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I think this movie should have been two hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like um, at times, like th there are various points in the movie where it kind of reminded me of, I don't know if you had this when you went to college, but like we had like fish camp or like freshmen or like an orientation sort of like social orientation. And the counselors would sometimes like put on skits and I, and you'd be in the audience thinking like, these people are having more fun doing this than I'm watching this. <laughs> like occasionally, right? Like there were occasionally moments like during this, because, but, but that was mostly because like 
the cast of this like are very like they go back right like they're they they've known each other for a long time and like you definitely get the sense that this was an incredibly fun set right like that they had fun creating this doing this making this and filming this um um and but for the most part like it was just absolutely charming um and uh, and a fun and easy film to like and it's felt nice to watch something like this after barbenheimer especially right um because we could just sort of sit back relax relax with pt and jasmine and um and just enjoy and just enjoy um you know watching a world that i kind of know but um but don't really know right and uh i don't know i i thought it was terrific how about you pt I- I yeah I, I agree with that, but both in terms of like I had a I had a really great time. I'm super glad that we went uh, to go and see it. It doesn't. I didn't leave that being like this is a special important piece of cinema that everyone needs to um, you know make sure they go and check out. Uh, but I had a great time, and uh, and it was it was really fun. Uh, I did. Uh, I did contact a couple people uh, who uh, I know who I've I've shared my love of waiting for Guffman since the late '90s, or or since I met them. Uh, uh, if I met them later, um, and I was like, look, this isn't Guffman. Like Guffman is uh, amazing, but this is a great like second movie in a double bill yeah. with waiting for Guffman. Like you'd have a great time putting these uh, next to each other. The the, the put on a show, right. the the celebrating uh, the theatrical impulses of people, while also gently mocking them, uh, is uh, is 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 a similar uh, a similar mix. And uh, yeah, I I had a I had a really good time. Very positive, uh, very positive feelings about this. Nice. Yeah, I'd say the to go back to the Christopher Guest. Uh, I'd say the satire is not nearly as sharp yeah. as what mm-hmm. you would get in a Christopher Guest movie. And like, just like intellectually, this, the, the writing is kind of not at the, at the same level. Um, but I feel like the trade-off is that we get a lot more warmth and sincerity yeah. in this, in theater camp, which is, which I can't deny. Like, it's just like, I, I don't want to give that up for it, for this to be kind of like a more highbrow satire. Um, the idea of, and like, to me, that was what was the most successful about the film is the tone because it was on the one hand this kind of mockumentary satire making fun of itself but at the same time it never it didn't it, that was never at the expense of like the heart and you can tell that that the creators of this movie really loved their teachers when they were at like in theater yeah. and and that they love this art form and that they know that they they are ridiculous and how seriously they take it yeah. but at the same time they want they want to show kind of like how empowering that could be for young people um to have that kind of like outlet right um and so that's what i really loved about it is that it had i was really taken aback by the 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 way it was like earnestly looking at this world um and in a way that was very sweet and heartfelt and stuff like that um i think it was so i saw this movie um virtually during sundance so that would have been like in january and I did a ranking of all the like eight to 10 films that I saw it was it's number it was number one on my list just because and I think part of that was like it just took me by surprise because when I was slipping through the program I remember being like okay like a mockumentary about theater camp like and it was I think it's produced by Will Ferrell and I was like I kind of had a sense as what the movie what I thought the movie would be and I was like this sounds like very cringy um (laughs) 
you know, like, like that, like it would just be awkward humor the entire time and long pauses that I didn't want to sit through. And so, so I was like, I was like, you know, I'll put, I'll put it on my list to watch because a, a lot of people were saying they were excited about it. And, um, but I was kind of like, not that excited to watch it. And then when I saw it, I was just like, oh, like, this is not what I thought it was. And this is just so, it's so like joyful and heartwarming and, and wholesome in a way that I wasn't expecting. And that was really a really nice feeling. And also just like all the people who are singing in this are super talented. Like all the kids that they get are, they crushed it. Like they're so good. Um, if you go on YouTube, the sound quality is not very good, but, um, after, uh, at the start of the Q&A for Sundance for this movie, they had all the kids come out and do like a little mini performance, like a medley of all the songs. And it was That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so, so yeah, I'm a, I, yeah, I was a big fan of this movie. Yeah. It's, it's not like reaching the heights of, of a Christopher guest movie, but I think it's, it was really, it was really nice. I, I, your, your point is well taken. your point is well taken that, that, um, you know, the satire wasn't as, as like, vicious as like uh uh like armando ianucci like in the loop is an is an incredible movie um but like because the subject are like children right like children yeah. who are enthusiastic who are often marginalized like i don't want i don't want those kids right. to, to um to be to be satirized like that sharply um so i so you're right i think that it was a, it's a delicate balancing act um that that it pulls off um really well and the other thing too is that you get the sense that um, so the the only context I had for this film going into it was that the four the four people credited for the screenplay. So I think I'm, I'm not going to remember all of them. It's Molly Gordon who's in the movie, Ben Platt who's in the movie. It's um, Molly Gordon, Ben Platt, Noah Galvin who plays the tech right. uh, the tech manager, and then uh, Nick Lieberman who's not in the movie but co-directed it with Molly Gordon. Right. So the four it sounds like the four of them just have been friends forever. Yeah. And they were like, let's just make, let's just make this movie. The other thing is that, which I didn't realize until I was doing some like light refreshing of my memory on the internet of this movie uh, before our recording today was they, it's mostly improvised. Like apparently the screenplay is like incredibly short to the point Mm -hmm. where the actor who plays Troy was like, can you write more? Like, like, uh, or like, or like he had questions, like he is always asking them questions because they were just like sketched out the basic plot of the movie. And a lot of it was just improvised when they were shooting. So I thought that was super interesting too. Um, And also very Christopher Guest. Like that's how Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy would usually, it's usually the two of them work out an outline of like, you know, here's what has to happen in each scene. Um, and this, I think, is also how Curb Your Enthusiasm works. You know, there's there's a sort of genre, a field of doing this. And then it's like, let's just record or film, you know, ourselves uh, doing this for a little while and see what we find and then edit together what comes up. Yeah. All right. So who are we recommending? That, you know, we all seem pretty positive on this movie. Who are we actually recommending it to? Is it just a blanket recommendation? Um, to me, I would say, like, if anyone has sort of even like remotely similar experiences to us in terms of like, if you have some connection with theater or some memory of participating in theater as a kid, that this is a must see because it just will make you so happy. Um, but do you, outside of that, or people who are like super into musical, like, you know what I mean? Like people who are part of that world already, I think absolutely should see this movie, but like beyond that, are we recommending it to anybody? I mean, I, I would say yes, only because it is this like nice little sorbet compared to the big franchise movies and even the big non franchise movies, uh, you know, like an Oppenheimer 
Um, I mean, Barbie's probably the beginning of a franchise, I guess. But, uh, you know, there's all these big movies that have very sort of weighty ideas or, uh, you know, long kind of belabored runtimes uh, that, you know, this is a nice little like, here's just a nice, small, tiny comedy. Uh, and, and, and I think people would enjoy it regardless. There, there is also the... Uh, you know, a, a, a strain, if you were like, I don't know anything about theater. I don't know if I care about that. The the son who has to sort of step in and run the camp is a uh, a, a vlogger uh, who's always sort of recording himself, giving business advice while clearly having no real concept of, uh, you know, anything about business. So that's a fun, like little sub subsection of satire that's in this. Um, so it, it, I guess it's it's hard because... I, I'm thinking about like how many people do I know who have no connection to this in my life, which maybe speaks to the kind of people I interact with um, that I'm just sort of like, yeah, I'd recommend it to a whole bunch of people. But like, I don't know if someone who is just like, I've never thought about theater. Um, and I think people who do theater are weird. Like, would they just think this is an hour and a half of weird people being weird and that that's it? Um, and, and I, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm maybe too close to be able to judge if mm. the jokes are too, uh, are too specific uh, for uh, you know for people to be able to enjoy it, um, but you know so I guess it would be a, a, a softer recommendation to uh, people who don't feel a connection to it. Um, but I, I think that they might still enjoy it, especially if they are regular moviegoers who have been taking in what you know the the, the major fair of the summer. Um, they might want to zag a little and uh, uh, and enjoy this. Yeah, I mean I, I agree with PT. I I, I think. Um... There's obviously a lot here for for like theater lovers, like references to to, to musicals and to works and and things that um and and the audience uh, during our screening, like we we went in the elevator with a couple people who clearly were like you know people who love theater who'd done theater themselves, um but um. I don't know. Even my my children yesterday watching like the Sondheim special, they they still found like th- th- there was like a uh, a little priest. They were singing this like Sondheim song, a little priest, right? Which is a vicious song, right? About eating people. Um, but my kids like latched onto a line about like I don't know um, uh, something with general with his privates or something like that, and they just cracked up, <laughs> right? And I feel like there are layers of of, of like humor. Um, in in this and uh, I don't know I think we go to the movies to explore people and experiences outside of our lives and I can I, I'm not a pilot but I can still like top top gun maverick I'm not a musician but I can still love tar so I think I think I think I'd recommend this to to anybody but yes definitely theater people you're gonna get you're gonna get an extra layer um, uh, by being in the know but I don't think and I think it's sort of in the spirit of this movie too that it's not it it doesn't it's not so like inside baseball that it that it excludes mm. people um who are outside that world yeah i would agree with that and i think the other sort of comparison i would make is if you watched glee even if you like hate watched glee because that was my thing is like i watched all of glee wow. and i would listen i would listen to the sound like the music the songs that they would cover every week but then i always wanted the show to be better <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I was like, why isn't this better? <laughs> but I still watched it. And so when I that was one of the thoughts that I had when I watched Theater Camp was I was like, this is what Glee should have been. Yeah. Like that's or this is what I or I should I would should, should make that more subjective to me. I this that is what this this movie is what I would have wanted Glee to be. Um less kind of like flashy, kind of like high school 
drama and more kind of heartfelt, like we're all in this, in this together. That's the other thing too. It's like, if you are the type of person who's like, I just can't watch dark stuff anymore. Yeah. And like, I need, I need the feel good movie. This is great. Even if you're not like in the, th- in c- plugged into theater stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Bam. All right. Are we ready? I think we're ready to move on to, I was thinking we could do the rhetorical situation today in our spoiler free section. Again, since sure. people haven't made, probably haven't seen this. Uh, like uh, so if we think we can do that, I think so. I think let's, let's do it. Um, so yeah, we're moving to the rhetorical situation, a segment in which we look at a film through the lens of our academic experiences. So that's my, that's my tagline we're testing out for this. It's <laughs> good. Okay, so if the phrase the rhetorical situation doesn't mean anything to you, in the teaching of writing, it refers to any contextual factors that influence composing and interpretation. And so we'll just all just open it up for a free for all. What are there any contextual factors that you can kind of see that relate to this film or things that that might influence the way people think about it or talk about it? Well, I mean, I guess the obvious one is that you know, there is this tradition of these sort of camps and and the theater uh, the theater community uh, that you know again as we were saying it's like if you have exposure to that you know to to whatever degree whether it's performing or actually attending uh, a camp like this um, then that's uh, you know that's something to be aware of and then on a meta sense that uh, uh, again I'm just repeating things we've already said so this is not particularly insightful I guess but this sort of like uh, a loose improvisational like collection of friends. Um, which uh, you know that that is the the Christopher Guest movies, uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I think being the most prominent like TV version of that, where it's like people who know each other, have known each other, work together for a while, um, kind of you know bringing in some uh, some new people as well, but then kind of just throwing themselves into scenarios and be like, all right, let's just go and and have fun and uh, uh, you know try to hit these these general beats in the course of a scene over over and then you know over the course of a movie and uh, and see what we find uh, and you know I think that those are th- good things to know and understand as we uh, as anyone goes in and sees the movie so I'll just reiterate those for this se- segment what what you were saying actually made me think of discourse around the arts in mm-hmm. education um, because I think theater camps like the the one in the movie they're necessary because so much public funding has been cut for the arts right like yeah. and i'm seeing this in you know my um my daughter i mean my daughter goes to a very good public school <laughs> she's she's finished kindergarten but like i barely hear about like they have i think they have a music teacher that shows up every once in a while and that's kind of it like there's no other performing arts kind of uh curriculum uh and so yeah so i think this this really this movie really reminded me that how of how important that is for a lot of kids because for a lot of kids they're not into like sports like this this is their thing uh and to to so having that opportunity i think is particularly important so that's that's like a layer of discourse that i'm just thinking kind of like you can definitely add onto the film and kind of the importance of the film potentially i want to talk about its representation of teaching and teachers and how excited teachers can get about students. Uh, one of the, my favorite scenes was when the teachers, so the te- that there are 
a number of productions that are happening in the course of the camp and and the various teachers lead certain productions and so they they have this big board where they have like all of the students and they they're just and they're they're trying to like they're basically like drafting the students for their for their um production and so like okay if i'll let you have this per- person if i can have this person um and then the way they talk about them is like delightfully inappropriate in a lot of ways um yes but um but I, but it, to me, like I, I, it's true though that teachers like crave talent, right? Like when we when we see a student who really excels in an area, it makes us really excited. It makes us excited as teachers, right? Like we, you know, um, no semester is like the same for me as a teacher, and it's probably the same for you, right? And it's because our our, our classes are populated by like really interesting people who bring like really interesting lives into our rooms and into our spaces. And, um, and so when you see someone who either has a really interesting story to tell or an interesting, an, an interesting or novel perspective, or they're playing with form or they're playing, you know, in, in interesting ways, um, you know, it just, it makes you want to be a better teacher. And so, um, so as as much as the 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 piece satirizes the the teachers too, right? Because you get the sense that like a lot of the, these teachers are here teaching at this theater camp because something sort of went awry in their and their sort of like their aspirations. They they still love the form and they still love the kids and um and there's you know like maybe a little bit of hint of sort of like a, a like bitterness about like their own life life past but that's a very small part of it right like it's mostly just enthusiasm for 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 the art and enthusiasm for the kids um and uh and I don't know again that was just a really refreshing presentation of of um of teaching yeah I also picked up on the the tension between like when you're a teacher, the outside world has this uh, often has this attitude of like, well, those who can't right. or those who I can never get this right. Those, those who can't who, do teach teach. Right. Yes. Okay. So the idea that like teaching is a fallback that like you didn't make it in the, in your field and there, therefore you've fallen back onto teaching. Yeah. Um, and I think this movie does a great job of showing kind of like, while that pressure that, that a lot of the teachers at this camp sort of, I think, feel that pressure or like are dealing with like, did I fail? And that's why I'm here. Or am I here because I love this? Right. And, the, and then also showing that like kind of both can be true. Right. Like, cause you can be still kind of pursuing a career outside of teaching, but like still teaching is your true calling or like that, that teaching is something you love to do and it has a craft to it. And like, not everyone can be a good teacher. Um, And so I thought the film really represented that well. And also like the idea of expecting a lot from your students. Cause I think this is something in in our classes, cause our classes often have a reputation of uh, in particular, the first year writing class that we have at at USC has a reputation of being this really tough GPA killer class, right? Where (laughs) like, um, and that, you know, not to say that that's true, but I think this, we often, all, all three of us, I'm sure, I'm assuming at one point or another have wrestled with this idea of like, well, like how much can, is what's, what's productive to expect of your students? Like how high a standard do you have in your class? And, is, and I think this, this film did a really good job of showing that like the teachers in this camp expect them to be operating like at a professional level, even though they're 10. Right? <laughs> um, but at the same time, they're not like, it's not like whiplash or tar right like they're not belittling them (laughs) (laughs) they're they're very like 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 supportive and and so like i think striking that balance can be really hard of being sort of the like quote unquote a tough teacher but at the same time 
being a, 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 like a healthy teacher for students. Um, and I thought that, that there were lots of good examples of that in this. Uh, my, one of, oh, actually, we're not in spoiler mode yet, so I'll, I'll, I'll wait to mention the specific scene that I thought did a really good job of that. But, but yeah. I do love like a lot of the humor of this movie comes from how prickly the teachers get when students mess up. <laughs> and again, I'm not going to get into the specific, we'll get into the specifics on the spoiler part, but there, you know, there's an art to criticism. You want to be constructive, but, but not deflating. Um, but part of the joy of the film is that you get the impression that these kids are so tough, so sort of sure of themselves that they can endure like the backhanded compliments and also the front-handed insults <laughs> that are that are you know sent their way, um, and 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 that they'll be okay, right? Because like as a teacher, um, I I'm hardest often on the students who do like really really good work. When mm-hmm. there's a student who I'm who I'm like they're not gonna like it, who just feels like there it's just sort of beyond them it would feel cruel to just sort of like you know belabor the point with like criticism after criticism after criticism so um so i don't know i i i, I you want to push students yeah you want put to push students to get them to reach their potential yeah but yeah. also build up their confidence and right. give them the confidence and the other thing is like so much of the humor in this movie comes from the teachers treating these kids not like their kids. Yeah. Right. And so like, so like you use the word inappropriate and I think that's part of the humor is that yeah. they're t- like, especially in terms of maturity of content, like a lot of these yeah. shows have like very mature content for little kids. Yeah. Um, but the thing, the thing is that like, I, I really, I think this is a really good example of how teaching, not patronizing your students when you yeah. teach them can be really, really effective. Right. Cause all the kids seem to be responding pretty well yeah. to it. Um, where they're like, they like being treated like they're grownups. They like yeah. being kind of like let, let in and not censored, like the material is not censored for yeah. them. And so like, yeah, that was something I thought was, was an interesting pedagogical model um, that I think like, I was like, oh, I, I sort of do that. Like I, I, I try to treat them like grownups and not, and th- that's easier for us to do because we teach college students, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with all these positive things. I will also note an, in the more like negative zone of teaching uh, as represented in the movie, uh, there is a lot of <clears throat> instances where the teachers do things that are for them themselves oh, yeah. more than the students, yes, which yes. Uh, you know, is certainly something that I think it's easy to fall into sometimes where we're just sort of like, well, this will be fun. I think this is a good idea as an activity or or I would connect with this as uh, as a way to learn whatever the material is for the day right. uh, and then you actually get going and it's just like they don't have any they're not feeling this at all um right. and uh you know i think that we as as uh, you know following good uh pedagogical practices uh would then pivot and try to change something uh which is not always what happens in this movie where they're like nope like this is what we're doing and we're doing it this way and we've always done it this way and there is this sort of um you know uh, sense that uh, at times people, uh, characters uh, uh, who are working at the camp are being locked into, this is the tradition, this is how we always do things, and are not good uh, or, or are struggling with the idea of ever breaking out of that, um, which is both sort of about their lives individually and also about the, the sort of uh, ecosystem of the camp itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the Ben Platt and Molly Gordon characters in particular are... And again, I don't think this is a spoiler, but like, so the, as Antonio mentioned earlier, the, the camp has multiple show productions that they're going, they're doing, that they do every summer, but there's one that the Molly, Molly Gordon and Ben Platt characters 
it's an original show that they've written. And that I think is what you're talking about, PT, where like when they're doing their own show, it's clearly this is a way of, for them to work out their own issues. <laughs> and they're not necessarily thinking about how it's going to benefit the students who are in the production. Um, and it's sort of, yeah, because it's their own kind of creative project and you kind of see them wrestling with, with the artistry and like, uh, and all, and, and like how to make it successful. And, and like, it's clearly their egos are definitely on the line with that, with that show as opposed to some of the other ones. And so, yeah, I think, yeah. Meeting students where you are, where they are not always happening in this movie <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, uh, the other thing I thought of was that since this is a satire, even though we've talked about it, it's kind of like a lighter satire or just like a, a so maybe softer satire because it has the kind of the feel good heartwarming story in it. Uh, but in general, satire, very hard to pull off. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, I, I do a, 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 it's called a popular audience assignment with my students where they are choose, choosing basically like to share and write an opinion piece for a, on like a publication, like a magazine or newspaper or some online site um, about anything that they want. And like, every time I do the assignment, inevitably one or two of them are like, can I write an onion article? And I'm like, yes, I support this. However, you should know that's actually much harder <laughs> yeah. to do uh, than just writing kind of like a, a, I wrote, I wrote in her Google doc, a straight piece. And then that reminded me of one of the jokes that's in the movie. <laughs> about about straight plays um that's not necessarily how i meant that but uh um but that yeah like writing us something that's trying to be satirical and so i want to hear your thoughts on like what how do you not just the context of this film but in general like how do you like what makes satire successful like how do you pull that off well first i want to talk about what makes satire i think so hard i think yeah. satire requires both understanding what you're satirizing really well and also being funny. <laughs> and those both are high bars. Um, but I think especially the latter, right? Like people, you know, everyone thinks they're funny, I guess, or a lot of people, most people think they're funny to some degree. But being funny with your friends, telling the occasional funny story or joke, it's not the same thing as writing a satire, right? Which which needs to be both sort of substantial and light, as well as biting, and it needs to be constructed properly with like no waste. Um, like, it's it is you know, people who who are who are very good at this genre. They spend years refining this, right? Mm. And like we're talking about like Christopher Guest, like that's a company that's like worked together over and over and over again. That's refined their game. That that have that have the timing down. That can that can improvise. And, and they're geniuses too, right? <laughs> like at what they do. Um, so yeah, I I remember. Um, being in an MFA program and like, and, and, and attempting satire and, and remember thinking like, um, you know, it's, it's thought of as sort of a light genre because it's comedic, but as a, as a writer, it's, it's, it's so fraught and it's so scary. Um, because when, you know, like when a dramatic story doesn't quite land, you can still sort of like get into the story when a joke doesn't land. It just, it's just, just bad. Right. <laughs> like it just seems like, um, so, um, so yeah, I think it, I think it's really tough. Um, but that makes it more special whenever we find someone who can do it well. Um, right. so yeah. What, what do we think? Cause we've mentioned that this film is a satire, but what is it actually satirizing? Like what is with, you know, again, without spoilers, but which I think we can answer, but what, what is actually the subject of the satire? I mean, to me, it felt like the culture of, of theater camp and theater kids uh, and the, and the theatrical world. And, you know, I, I, I do think it matters. And I, th that like 
it's all people who are from that world. Uh, and I think, you know, that sort of internal satire is very different. <clears throat> Whereas like, I think even thinking about the Christopher Guest movies as he moved, though they moved away from the things that they knew and, and loved um, those movies maybe got a little bit weaker yeah. um, and didn't work quite as well. So, uh, so I do think that, you know, the, the love that is clearly underpinning the whole uh, the whole a- a- exercise um, is uh, is key, and it, and it is about sort of you know like us instead of them. Like this is like a thing that we do. Um, people who made this movie, we do all of this instead of like pointing a finger at someone else. Yeah, if the cast of Euphoria <laughs> was like making theater camp, that would be the vicious satire that I definitely would not want to watch. Right, but right. the fact that this is that these are theater people poking fun at themselves and, and, um, and how, um, and, and at, at their own culture, I think that that's, that's okay. And then, um, and it allows us to laugh with them. Yeah. Love it. I think the other thing I would add to that is there is, oh, there's also satirizing and this might be the other kind of satire. There's also satirizing of influencers and social media. Mm. And also interestingly, kind of as the antithesis to theater, um in a way that i think resolves really nicely again we're not spoilers yet so i won't say anything else but like but um but there's definitely like a a tension there right that that the the theater kids don't understand the tech bro so vloggers right and vice versa right and there's a kind of like a cultural rift that then has to be resolved yeah within within the world of our experience and our students it's like the the, the business school and the and the stem uh, uh, part uh, of the very successful uh, corners of the university, and then the, like the weird humanities kids, yes. uh, who are not like uh, doing things that are immediately profitable, so therefore are not valued in in society. Uh, and and there is there is a contrast there in the movie with uh, you know which which like you say, the ultimate resolution, uh, you know, sort of makes it clear that you know there. I don't think it's a spoiler to say movies pro theater and pro uh pro artsy kids and artsy people all right i think we are ready to shift into spoiler mode we bumped up against maybe not saying spoilers a couple times now uh so if you've not seen theater camp and and want would like to especially if you would like to at this point we are not going to give you five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes there's, there's my musical <laughs> joke haha <laughs> um and you have to exit stage left in Three, two, one. The best part about the transitions is I don't know which ones you picked. So like, it's a surprise for me. <laughs> in some cases, I don't know which ones I picked because samples. I put more than one in the, oh, nice. in the dashboard. And like they got, because I've made my browser smaller. This is it too much behind spo- the scenes, listeners. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it, two of them just say "spoiler morning," and I can't tell which ones. Which. <laughs> nice. Well, so we're 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 testing these out in, in real time. That was uh, that one was much tenser than the other one, I think. So I think that yes. that's why it's better for spoiler spoiler mode. But we are now in spoiler mode, and I want to start off with like some specificity. So, did you have a favorite performer or performance? Something, something that you really want to give a shout out to that maybe you didn't feel like we should during spoiler free. 
Um, I, I want to give uh, a shout out to uh, the already mentioned uh, Io Edabiri, uh, who is, uh, uh, is is most well known, I think, now as Sydney from from the Bear. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, this is one of the things I didn't know going into the movie is that like the the whole uh, concept of her character is she's there to replace. Uh, a, a bunch of teachers we never meet who have been let go uh, and is the only person who applied for the job and, but also um, completely lied on her resume <laughs> and is being interviewed by someone who has no, the, the, the son who has no idea about any of this stuff. So it's just like, great, you're hired. And she is like, whenever it cuts to her in class, she is just like making it up completely in front of kids <laughs> who know way more than she does. And like seem to immediately know that this woman is full of crap and like, right. Uh, and, and are and are judging her, and basically every time you know, she's not a, a prominent character, but every time they they bring her into a scene or they cut to what she's doing, uh, it it made me laugh. It's so funny. I, my favorite part is when they're doing the the stage combat, and she's it? like, "What? But what is stage combat?" And she's saying, asking that because it's not a rhetorical question as a teacher, it's <laughs> she doesn't know. But then all the students give these like very like abstract answers where they're like well it makes your heart skip a beat or like it you know it brings the story together or like or it makes people feel like they're alive and she's like can i have an answer that's not poetry uh <laughs> but like what's maybe like a legal definition because she just wants to know and someone's like well it's like fighting and she's like great i could do that <laughs> right uh, <laughs> so it's like yeah she was she was delightful um and but interesting too because yeah to go back to our earlier discussion of representation of teaching right she has very much a fake it till you make it but but I love that the film doesn't really judge like she's the butt of a joke, but they the film doesn't really judge her. Right? She mm -hmm. still becomes part of the community in a weird way. Yeah. Even though she has she she doesn't think of herself as a part of it. She's just there because she needs the job. Uh, <laughs> um so I really like that part of it. But yeah, there's never a moment when like uh the mask is ripped off, so to speak. And uh and it's just like you've been revealed as a fake and you're drummed out of polite society, or you've been revealed as a fake, but we're all going to welcome you. It's just like she just flies under the radar the whole time and people are just like, Yeah, you're now you're in it and you're you're a part of it. And uh yeah, I think that I think that there's something very nice about that. Uh and also very funny. For me, my favorite performer was Molly Gordon as, and I love her her character's name, Rebecca Diane, right? Yes. Her last name is <laughs> Rebecca Diane. Uh, I don't know if that's a, I guess it has to be sort of a Cheers. It's got to be a Cheers. Reference, right? Um, but um, her, um, her line delivery, um, especially, right? Like she has this very soft, gentle tone, um, but occasionally says some really vicious um, things, right? Like even in the trailer, you know, she's like, oh, this is amazing. Like you're, you're incredible. This is going to destroy you, <laughs> right? This is going <laughs> to, um, I, 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 I found her um, like every scene with her um to be really fun and funny and, and her interactions with, um, with Ben Platt, I thought were, um, terrific too. her as a teacher. Um, you know, she, along with Noah Galvin have, have, um, really defined arcs in the movie too, which I thought were, and I thought they handled that nice, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, all, uh, Molly Gordon also on the bear Claire, as we, as, as we've said, um, and, um, and I liked her actually more as Claire. I, I, I PT, we, we talked about her a little bit and I think you didn't, you didn't love that character as much. And I know a lot of people didn't, but, um, but I actually liked her okay in the bear and, and, but, but really loved her, the opportunity for her to take on a, um, you know, a multidimensional character here. 
I, yeah, and to be clear, I liked Molly Gordon's performance in The Bear. I just think that's a very underserved character. Yeah. Not to get into bear take review, <laughs> yeah. which is, we'll have to do. Uh, we just have to do uh, it. It just time. keeps, we can't stop it. But. It's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, she, she's great. And earlier I mentioned the sort of tension between the, the those who can't do teach. I think she's at the center of that that narrative, right, where she sneaks off to go audition and she gets a part and right and that's where she and and so i actually really like the two of them sort of representing these two models where like where it's and and both of them are okay right because um the ben platt character who i I was listening to an interview apparently in the in the short film version of theater camp that like then got this version greenlit um his character's name was angelo bassett (laughs) And then they decided that they probably shouldn't do that in the in the real version. Oh, so instead, he's Amos Klobuchar. Right, right. So, um, I think he said he the concept generally was that wouldn't it be funny if someone's just one letter in the phone book away from somebody super famous? So, um, anyway, so so the idea that at the end of the film he has that great moment with the student where the student kind of like says how important he is to them and then he, yeah. he hugs them and it like kind of looks like he doesn't want to at first but he it, like he's kind of goes through a roller coaster of emotions where he's resigned and then accepts it and is like really happy about it and so i feel like his character comes to a like a very like healthy place in terms of like he accepts that like oh he is maybe a better teacher than he is a performer yeah right where and then and then the molly gordon character rebecca diane goes off and the, the other like they have they had kind of like their roads diverge yeah in a way mm-hmm. that i think is really nice yeah yeah especially because we've seen uh partly through that that sort of drafting scene of like casting it um that uh uh ben platt's character has not been hard on this girl because he believes in her but he actually like actively dislikes her and it's just like <laughs> oh she's too polished she's too fake she's too disney like she's done too much stuff. Like she can't. It's not a real theater uh, performer. Is not like uh, cannot get to any truth or whatever. Um, and is so like openly disdainful and uh, uh, and dismissive of her. And then you know the student reads that as oh you're really pushing me and like this is the best experience I've had. And like her grandmother comes and picks her up and says like you're the best teacher. You know she's been raving about how good a teacher you are. And so you know there's something there about like oh this is you know this is my talent. Uh, this is what I am good at. Um, while while Molly Brown's character is finding like no, like I I you know I, I have I've, I've turned down chances to stay in this dynamic, and now I'm actually going to go. Right, and like also like that's a great point of conflict because their relationship from the start of the film is so clearly codependent. Yeah, right. <laughs> in a very unhealthy way. Yeah. So well, they're not. I'm, it's not that they're codependent. It's that they are dependent on. <laughs> so good. Um, I want to say uh, my favorite performance was probably Noah Galvin, yeah. um, just because his ca- both both in terms of his the actor's performance because it's amazing, but also the character because I think the the I'm so I was so happy that they had the sort of like uh, what I'm gonna remember, forget the technical term now the sort of like stage hand or like cr- the crew. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the the crew stage member manager, like stage, tech yeah. Person, yeah people who are behind the scenes and not performing um and that he was representative of that really crucial part of that community and like i like the humor of like they show that he's really the, the one holding everything together yeah. um and trying to do so much and like 
just like the scene of him rolling down the hill uh, <laughs> so good uh and like he's using duct tape everywhere and like so i really loved his character for that reason like i thought he, he was like a really crucial representation of the community like a member of like a section of the community in the movie and would a lot would have been missing if he wasn't there but then like when they when he ends up being the star of the of gene uh joan still the major show with the, and like the big big he has the big showstopper moments I was just like, this is amazing. Like that, that he, cause he really, cause I feel like I experienced what the people in the film experience where they didn't know he had that in him. Yeah. And he's like, it's my time to shine. And he does it because there's no other choice, right? He's yeah. not cause he, and he has no ego about him. So what I re- also really liked about his character. And, but that like when it, when he had that moment, that opportunity that he really stepped up and took everybody by surprise. And like, he just like his singing was so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> really blown away. Um, so I really liked his his character a lot. Yeah, <clears throat> the smart choice there to I guess to underscore what uh, one one of the points that you said uh, is that it isn't that he is like bitter because everyone ignores him. Like he is like no, I'm just I do this, and you know I mean, he's a little disgruntled at times of being pulled in different directions. But it isn't like I'm secretly a star and you don't know it. Yeah, it's like he doesn't know it. Like he doesn't. Yeah like realize the the degree of his talent and it's only when other people kind of push and circumstances push him into a, a scenario where he has to uh, has to perform uh, and, and kills it. It's it's wonderful. And one of the wonderful things about that is that that it's the kids who actually recognize it, right? Like when they when they see him perform, and um, and th- the kids are very supportive. So teachers are supportive of the kids, but the kids are very supportive of the teachers mm. as well. Um, which uh, I don't know. I thought I thought was lovely. So my next question was, what's the funniest bit? I know what I know what, what PT is. I'm going to let PT because because I, I was sitting next to him. So go on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is terrible. I realize that this is an awful thing to uh, to like as much as I did. But the thing that surprised me the most, and maybe it's because the movie is so like generally warm hearted about everything. Um, but in the uh, what we haven't said uh, for those who uh, have entered the spoiler section, uh, who don't mind spoilers for movies, uh, the reason that the son is taken over is in the first like five minutes of the movie. Um, the the mom who runs the camp has a stroke or some sort of a seizure that puts her in a coma. Um, and the mom's played by Amy Sedaris, and the, you know, there's a little bit of oh, I want more Amy Sedaris, but uh, it's it's also very funny that she's set up as the main character that immediately is is taken out. And you know, there's there is this sort of like question hanging over the whole thing of like oh, like she's gone. The 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 play that the two um, uh, Ben Platt and Molly Brown write uh, is is like a tribute to her and is the story of her life. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's very funny that the the, the outsider teacher, um, the AO uh, Ebadiri character, uh, says something at one point, like pretty close to the end, about like, "What's her deal? Like, is she dead? Like, is she <laughs> around?" And it, it is like we haven't gotten a clarification of you know the son is always sort of like acting as if like, well, like she'll make it back, but everyone else is sort of assuming that she's died. Uh, and so in the beginning of the of the final show when they're like, uh, you know, we have to like get a bunch of donations to save the camp. The camp is technically going to be sold to the rival evil, uh, uh, you know, again, like business school camp um, that's, you know, owned by a a venture capital firm uh, that's on another part of the lake. Uh, And uh, the, 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 the son, and I I can't remember the son's uh, name, Troy, of course. Uh, Troy is sort of setting it up. Uh, and he's just like, you know, like this is all because of uh, my mom. 
and uh, two kids come out to hold up a sheet and they're like, and we're broadcasting this live uh, so my mom can see it. And like they turn on a, like a live camera of just a hospital bed of someone, just someone in a coma in, on like a ventilator in the hospital bed. And I did not see it coming. And it was like, the, it was the funniest thing I've seen in like five years. <laughs> uh, and I just laughed so hard at like, he set it up as if it was going to be like, we're revealing that like my mom's all better and like, she's going to be able to watch it and cheer you on. And then instead it is just like, it's someone in a coma. Uh, and it, it was a little, I uh, maybe out of, out of uh, tone, for uh for the rest of it because but it was because it was like weirdly bleak um but that really got me that was so funny uh i thought that was like the just the funniest moment uh and then it cuts back at the very end uh the payoff of it of like this woman clapping but it's not his mom that it was some other woman uh who woke up and what and started watching it but it's like her roommate in the hospital uh, and they had set it up at the wrong <laughs> yes Oh, that's great. That, yeah, that is really funny. And I think um, uh, I had a, a di- another question, but since we're already talking about Amy Sedaris, I think I should bring it in that um, that so so my experience watching this for Sundance, Amy Sedaris was billed as the star of this movie. Like like they used her as the sort of like hook of like, don't you want to watch this? Amy Sedaris starring in theater camp. And so I went into it and I think I even foolishly because for the long t- the my written sort of preview of Sundance, I was trying to be like, here are all the Star Wars and Marvel stars that you know and love, and they're in these indie films, so you should want to go see them. This was my attempt to like, draw people out to, <laughs> to, to out of their comfort zone. Um, or just be like, you probably don't know that the stars that you love from these other big properties are in these other things. And so I had pitched it as like, if you love Amy Sedaris in The Mandalorian... <laughs> right you should go watch the movie theater camp and then i went and watched the movie and i was like this is fraudulent like this is like she's not even in like five minutes of this movie um though though her character is like a huge part of the movie and is like a specter hanging over the whole thing right um but so i just wanted to put to put that out there that like if people if you were like hey where's my amy sedaris like i feel you that's i was also kind of there um but antonio what was your what was one of your favorite jokes or funniest moments well, I mean, I, I also enjoyed the coma joke, but but I think I, I enjoyed it more because <laughs> PT was sitting next. And I think again, this is about like why we should all go to the theaters together, why we should be why we should be sitting next to other people, you know, experiencing these movies. Because because I I felt even I felt even more joy like just by having PT next to me, like laughing that hard. Um, but um, for me, I it's not a specific I. I, not a specific line. It was just the moment when the, when, uh, and I talked about this earlier, when the teachers are drafting the students and they're talking about, um, about the students and again, in very inappropriate ways. So, so, uh, I think, um, uh, Rebecca, Diane, um, is talking about someone has to play a virgin. So, so she's like, they're, well, they're all, all the actors, all the, all of them are virgins, but, um, <laughs> but this one in particular has the most virgin like qualities or something like that. Right. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the the roles, a, a lot of the um, the works that they were dealing, like the Crucible, Crucible Junior, was that what it was called? <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Um, fairly weighty things, right? So, so to have that subject matter, um, you know, juxtaposed with these kids with these sweet faces on the on the board, and to have them talk about them, um, like you know, like in 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 the ways that like agents and like producers of like real Broadway shows would probably talk about this. I, I found that to be really funny. Nice. Yeah. It's hard for me to pick. It's either like 
I really like the tear doping. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Scene. That was great. Where she's like, she's using and you're like, what? Like, what are they talking about? And then she's like, tear sticks. Um, and, and then she, do you want to be the Lance Armstrong of acting? <laughs> or something like that. That whole scene was great. Um, uh, but I think the competition for that probably would be the, the, there's one kid, I don't remember what his name is, but he's sort of like, he's the one at the end who says, I learned to live my truth as a heterosexual male. <laughs> right? He's like the one kid who kind of sticks out because he's like not stereotypical theater kid, yeah. but he's still like is talented and wants to be there. But like all the teachers sort of like, so, and that was one of the things that I really liked when we were talking earlier about what is the satirizing. It seems to really be poking the most fun at how snobby theater people can be about like theater is art and like, everything else is like pop culture mainstream um and and how kind of like elitist they could they could be and like making fun of that that tendency about themselves um so i think i really liked when uh the that kid auditions with like a justin bieber song (laughs) and everyone's just like what is he doing and then the troy character is like hey like because he recognizes (laughs) and i just thought that was a really beautiful moment of like just like so so uh, concisely kind of showing this tension that I've been talking about of between kind of these two worlds and how they, they have to kind of like reconcile with one another and re- realize my kids just watched yesterday trolls world tour, uh, which is not a great movie. I- I'm not really endorsing it necessarily, but they they really loved the idea of like all these different types of music kind of like warring again. Has, have either of you seen this movie? Oh, I think I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so PT, okay. it's like, yes, the, welcome to the world of, of finding movies that your kids will watch with you. Sure. Um, so it's, 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 uh, they're all, they're pop trolls, they're funk trolls, they're rock trolls, oh, sure. uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, country trolls. Uh, and so they, there's like a little land for each genre of music and they're all trying to like, they all think they like basically the rock trolls decide they want supremacy and one nation under rock, um, kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. And, uh, and a lot of the, the film is like jokes of like the different genres of music sniping at each other, um, nice. especially towards the pop trolls. Like the, the country music trolls are like, this is hot. Like, you know, this, like everyone says like the pop makes fun of the pop trolls for having derivative music. Um, and so I thought I thought this was a really funny moment that kind of reminded me of, of that when I was remembering it. There's a, there's a, there's a Glee connection here too, with the moment that you were talking about, right? Because in Glee, I think in the first episode, you had like the quarterback who gets drafted into the Glee club. Right. And, and it's, and it's big deal. Um, And then here, but here where the hierarchy is sort of like upended, you have like Mm -hmm. the theater kid who gets in trouble because he's playing football. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think that that was good because that did tap into, I, I remember like being in theater and it was like, like, not cool if you cared about sports yeah. like that was there were people who did hide that like you know they knew the stats of yeah. of something so yeah there is you know there there's an interesting kind of like you get insular about whatever it is that you're doing and you know of, of course the sort of tradition is the jocks make fun of the uh the arty kids but like you know potentially in response or or in anticipation of it the arty kids also are sort of like oh that stuff's dumb yeah um but i know uh, you know the the original broadway cast of every sondheim show yeah uh so it's you know it's all it's all similar like everyone's nerding out and geeking out about their own things and they think that that's fine and the other people's stuff is weird right but as we all learn from barbenheimer we can contain multitudes we can it's true right that's right (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right. I think my last question that we can kind of open it up and then maybe switch to Oscar's watch is 
what what do you feel like and i the in the question in the google doc is specifically what does this film have to say about social media influencers like what is the jimmy character doing in here we've already started talking about that a little bit but like i want to maybe i'll broaden that question if you want to does this film have a thesis like is it trying to tell us something specific I mean, I, I think there is something uh, to, to go back to sort of your like, wh what is funded in school? Like, what what does your daughter have? Um, that there's something like of value in uh, in the arts and and arts education. Um, you know, I think that's a soft message. Like, that's not like there isn't like a we need to fund um, you know theater programs in schools. Um, but you know, the villains are like a venture capitalist fund, uh, uh, as, uh, personified in Patty Harrison, who I also want to shout out, uh, as, uh, doing a great job of setting, at least it set me up to think that like, oh, like this person is going to be like, I work for the evil company, but then I'm going to learn that like, this is a, you know, actually I should value this. Um, and then it's like, no, like I don't learn that. And like at the end when like right at the moment when things are getting the most like close to treacly and emotional in the uh, uh in the in the stage show of the mom she's just like do you think this is good like do you like this <laughs> like this is awful like this is absolutely like i hate this um and so that's really good and so i think there is something about like you know uh, uh it's an easy mark but the sort of soulless soulless capitalist uh uh influence of money and and just being fixated on uh, on like how do you make money and how do you do uh, you know how do you accomplish things which is both you know the the actual people who have money and then also Troy um, the the sort of empty uh, person who has all these like catchphrases but clearly has no idea what anything is has never I really needed to run a business or or um, handle any finances uh, that you know that that is sort of you know kind of meaningless and doesn't have. Uh, doesn't have the the the, the soul that mm -hmm. the, the artistic expression does. But I really love that his character is really trying. You know, what I mean, like mm -hmm. even though he's this bro stereotype bro character, that he does have a lot of heart still, and that he is like he is in it for the right reasons. He doesn't always make the best choices, but he's in it for the right reasons. And like, actually, I want to give a shout out to the the scene where they're hosting like to make more money they host like a dinner party or something am i remembering this correctly <laughs> yes. yeah no you're right it's so funny <laughs> it's like so weird um because they're so bad at service <laughs> mm -hmm. um, the, the guy from succession uh david uh, rash i think is thank you yeah Dave, yeah D david rash is the like all head of like the lions club or something like that. It, it's some sort of community organization. And he's like, yeah, well, and like, he thinks it's going to be like a fun, like, and the students will be serving and the students are told it's an acting exercise. So they're all coming in with these like fraught backstories <laughs> and are sharing it with them. So uh, good. Yeah. It's a really, that's a really good scene. Uh, and J Jimmy Teatro, who is, uh, sorry, Jimmy Tatro, uh, who's the actor who plays Troy um uh he uh I, I always think of him as dylan from american vandal i don't know if you all watch that it was a netflix another mockumentary um but it's it's like a true uh, uh like uh set up like it's a true crime like find the murderer thing but it's like uh made in a high school by like a high school av club about who is vandalizing the school by drawing penises and so it's like hashtag who drew, who drew the dicks uh, is the uh, is the thing, and like he's the main, he's like the jock, like the 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 uh, always in detention jock. So he's the main suspect. Um, and 
I mean, I, I assume you could kind of trace back of like, yeah, he's really good in that role. Yeah. Um, and he's on uh, a show I think called Home Economics, which is a like, I don't want to say middling, but like the, the kind of uh, uh, meat and potatoes network show that we all would have watched if it were you know, the eighties or the early nineties. Right. Yeah. We but still the, lived in uh, the age of network TV. But only, only Jasmine watches them now. And she absolutely, it's like Topher Grace uh, and, and, and Jimmy Tatro and a few, like a, a few other, like very solid performers. Um, and whenever I've seen it, when she's had it on, it's a solid show and he's doing good work on it. Um, and I think, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a, he's an MVP of the movie um, that it, it's easy to overlook uh, how uh, uh, important he is because yeah, he's, he is this sort of dunderhead, but he's not, uh, you know, he's not mean uh, and he's not here. Like, he's just like, I do not understand this. Yes. Like, is it like, I hate these people. I resent them. Uh, he yeah. is just lost. And he's very open, right? He's like, he asks lots of questions and he's like, cool, cool. Like he's like trying to just trying to wrap his head around everything. I actually think the film is very generous and sort of gracious towards these social media influencer characters, right? Because there's a whole bunch of them that he calls at the end. They basically help save the day, right? Like, if I remember, am I remembering that correctly? Well, like they, well, they, they don't have money though, right? Like they, they oh, this, that's right. but they didn't have he, any money. <laughs> he brings in the big ballers to like, is trying to win them over. Um, but then they turns out they none of them have any money. They, and it's it was the Airbnb guest who'd been who'd just been sort of milling about and complaining about the noise, who was so moved also that he that yeah. he donated the money. It was it was Chekhov's Airbnb guest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but they show up, right? Like they they answer the call, and they like generally are pretty like once they get their butts in the seats, they they I love it. From what I remember, they they're into it, right? And so I think that I think is a really crucial moment in terms of what the film's trying to say. That like it almost is sort of saying like even though we judge work on social media, that in of itself is like a type of art, kind of maybe. Mm performance at least performance yeah that th there's a craft there's like they're they're doing something they're they're dedicated to their craft we just just because we don't understand its value yeah doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that we have to judge it or something or it's lesser than what we're trying to do but um so i thought that was that was very anti-elitist and Troy also is like has a very functional part of the movie, right? Like I think that he's the entry point for people who don't know theater. He'll ask the questions right. that people who don't know theater will, would would ask, right? But he still gets to be funny in his own right. He's not just like the straight man, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just remembering when um, he's trying to get the kids to listen on the first day, and no one's listening to him, oh, and yeah. then Ben Platt shows up and sings, "Oh, what a beautiful morning <laughs> from Oklahoma." which like i i love that I, mean, I had seen that in the trailer so i was like sure like that's funny but then when like it's like, like a week in and uh troy gets up on the stage he goes oh what a beautiful morning like, he doesn't know how to sing it yeah, but yeah, he yeah. knows like those are the words and the kids sort of like mumble the response back and he's like okay and he's just it's sort of like, like this is kind of working it? yeah yeah, yeah. It's so good um okay so i assume this this is going to be short but i do want to get to oscar's watch I assume the answer is no, but does this movie yeah. have any Oscar chances? Is this a world in which this has any Oscar chances? Uh, no, no, we're shaking our heads. I don't. No. I don't think so. I, I, but the, and that's okay, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. like, I don't think the Christopher movie, Christopher Guest movies, got Oscar attention either. Um, I remember. I remember that that uh, years ago there was uh, some push for like Catherine O'Hara in for your consideration maybe, which was about the Oscar race, but that movie actually wasn't that great <laughs> um, uh, compared to the other ones. Uh, like I, I, I could, I could see a push for like some of like Guffman and for best in show, but 
Um, you know, comedies are historically sort of undervalued at the Oscars. Yeah. Um, but whatever, they always have a place in a viewer's queue. We always need, there are always moments when you need a comedy, right? When, when you just want to have a, a nice uh, night where you can laugh with your friends. Um, and, uh, and that's what, that's what this is. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think in any category really, like not not screenplay, especially since it's like mostly improvised. Right. Um, the performances were fun, but I don't. It's just it doesn't really fit the mold of the Oscar of the Oscar movie. But what do you think? I agree with Antonio. I, I will I will note. Yeah, I mean, if if we if we ever do go back and do retroactive Oscars, um, we would be talking about Catherine O'Hara and Fred Willard uh, oh, yeah. supporting for Best in Show. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, it, it would be, I guess, it would be weird to give screenplay and even a screenplay nomination to either of those movies. But Guffman or Best in Show, I would, I would at least have to consider it. Um, there was the one time there was like a legit, like a nomination, a legitimate push was for the song in A Mighty Wind. The sort oh, yeah. of that last, uh, the kiss oh, at the yeah. end of yeah. what is it? I've looked at here. Kiss at the end of the rainbow. Um, that did get nominated. It was the year that Return of the King swept, so they got the Return of the King song one. But like, there was some things, and like, is there like an outside possibility chance of the the final song, which um, what is it? What is it called? Camp isn't home. Yeah. Like, is that something that could get a best original song? Uh, you know, if, you know, we already, I think we already have a couple of strong song contenders. Um, and I would, uh, you know, assume that there's, this won't necessarily get the traction. Let's for start it. the like, campaign for that. Because can you imagine having all those kids singing that song on the Oscar be, stage? It would be incredible. And, and I just, already, like, in advance, love the idea of people who haven't seen the movie being like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, why <laughs> is this? Um, and again, for those who are listening, who... Uh, are in the spoilers section, but haven't seen the movie and don't care about spoilers. Uh, the song is made up on the spot by Molly Gordon's character because she hasn't written the song, but the time has come where she has to share it. She's been too busy working on her own life. Uh, and so she just makes up a bunch of words uh, based on what she's seeing. Uh, and and then it's given this full uh, fleshed out performance in the in the final production, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, the only thing I will say, um, you know, that like while this, you know, obviously this isn't Barbenheimer, you know, this is a successful small movie um, in terms of uh, I, I did see it's the um, the the best the, the limited opening when it was only in uh, I think it was six locations. It was the best limited opening for Fox Searchlight since. Um, Jojo Rabbit in 2019 oh, uh, in terms right. of like a per screen average yeah. um, which you know is that that just means that there was a pandemic in between and not a lot of like small movies have made it to the theater but uh, you know there's uh, it's still like it's something like it, it's getting it, it's it's carving out its little uh, its little niche in the uh, in the market um, I don't think that's enough to get it uh, into the Oscar discussion. Yeah. Although the long take bump, uh, we can maybe get <laughs> right. uh, campus home uh, into into the discussion. Uh, let's we'll do make it. it happen. Uh, <laughs> Actually, so so the one thing I can see happening potentially is once this goes to streaming, which I believe would be because it's Searchlight Picture Pictures. I believe would be Hulu. Like that's the most likely place it would end up could have a second life like i can definitely see it being one of those word of mouth like people once it hits streaming people aren't willing to go out to the theater for a movie like this but once it hits streaming a bunch of people talk about it and then word of mouth spreads then it kind of has like a second wind so not that that would translate to oscar buzz at all but you know could could potentially 
make it pick up like a critics award along the you know one of those critic circle it, yeah they have awards. The critics choice have like sometimes have like a comedy separate comedy category and i could see i could see that happening yeah it's also golden globe i don't know yeah, yeah. Maybe. it's also let's put on a show which you know people who are in show business are like yes yeah. i yes. do know about that um <laughs> and like you know as we were saying earlier like movies are being if movies keep being pushed uh, then suddenly the field is a lot thinner. Like mm. maybe they have to start, people will start looking back and be like, wait, what came out that I didn't see? There's not as many movies coming out in September, October um, and later in the fall for awards consideration. But yeah, we're really, we're stretching it thin here by belaboring yeah. it this long. Yeah, but that's all right. We dream, we dream of something like this getting a little, <laughs> a little recognition. We're just so inspired by the hopefulness of this movie yeah. that we're like, we can dream big. There you go. We're the little, it's, this is the little movie that could. No, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, <laughs> it can't. This will, this will destroy you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this movie will get crushed in the Oscars race. Um, all right. Well, thank you both. Like the, We got actually got a lot of great discussion out of this, this little, little fun, warm hearted movie. So yeah, hopefully if you get a chance, go out and see this. It's unclear when this would hit streaming. So if you're like, should I wait for streaming? I would say no. If like, if you're this far in our conversation and you haven't seen this movie, like, what are you doing? Go, go watch it. PT, where can folks follow the long take? Uh, you can follow us on Instagram uh, and threads at the long take review. Uh, and, and please uh, send us feedback there, add comments, uh, share our posts, do whatever you may want to do uh, with our social media content or minimal social media content and antonio we, we go over this every time you're basically <laughs> untouchable but is there anything you want to promote while you're here i, I mean i do i i, I wrote a textbook <laughs> so for if there's, if there's pre-law people who are listening to this then uh legal writing for the undergraduate by antonio elefana you can you can check that out <laughs> If you have comments for Antonio, send it to the long take review on Instagram and we'll we'll forward it on uh, and you will not get a response from right. him. But uh, he will at least be made aware of what you have said. He can send you a signed copy of Leo Yeah, Reddit there you go. <laughs> well, Jen, where do we find you? Oh, that's right. Sorry. I almost, that was very dangerously close to hitting stop. Um, <laughs> you can find me. At Subchakshai, S-O-P-C-H-O-C-K-C-H-A-I on Instagram and threads and at Qui-Gon Jen on Letterboxd, where you can see my quick review of Trolls War Tool Tour from yesterday. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can follow The Long Take on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive reviews of films with Oscar buzz, as well as new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel.